Welcome back to How to Sell an Agency, a podcast exploring the stories of founders who built and sold agency businesses. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Heathcote, who founded Origins, a video production agency, and sold that just a few weeks ago. Before we get into Andrew's story, I'll just start with a very quick apology, though. I had all sorts of technical issues recording this episode, and I will say, all at my end, nothing to do with Andrew. We've managed to rescue the recording, but it does sound a little bit weird on my side of it at the start. So apologies for that. I will say two things. Number one, it gets better as it goes on. And number two, Andrew's side of the recording, which after all is the important part, is completely unaffected. So I hope my slightly odd sound at the beginning doesn't impact your enjoyment of what I think is a great interview with many thanks to Andrew. So without further ado, here's Andrew and a slightly odd sounding map on how to sell an agency. Thanks for joining me today, Andrew, and persevering through the technical challenges that we've been having. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing a bit of your story about how you got all the way from Cambridge to El Salvador and the journey you went on to do that. But maybe you could start by just telling us a little bit about Origins, the agency that you sold. Yeah, of course. It's great to do this kind of thing. I think it's always good fun to chew the fat and have a good chat. So I appreciate it, Matt. Yeah, Origins was my video production company. So I ran that company for nine years, kicked that off in 2015, was born out of a passion for making films and a desire to make films on my terms. I'd worked in TV prior to launching the agency and hadn't enjoyed that kind of side of the industry whereby it was all kind of short-term contracts and I felt like I didn't really have control over my future in a sense. And quite a funny thought looking back now that I decided to start an agency to take back control because I'm not sure that's always the feeling that you have. But yeah, that took me all the way from rural Cambridgeshire uh, out to El Salvador, which is where we now live, where I live with my wife and son. It's where my wife's from. That's how we came out to Central America. Um, but actually ran the agency from this part of the world for the last 12 months before selling yeah. sold the company. So, so that was an interesting process, an interesting journey. And I think nine years in business, the landscape has just changed so much, right? I think when I started out, it was this kind of old school approach to business that we didn't have all this access to content that we have now, whereby yeah. we learn about all these new cool things that we can do. We didn't have the same technology. In a post-COVID world, you can work from the other side of the world and make it work for an agency. So it's been a fascinating journey, the ups and downs of running an agency and all the things you might expect. But yeah, feeling really excited to have sold the agency and, and now moving on to new challenges. Well, congratulations on that, but I, I'm going to make you relive it all now. If we go right back to the beginning then, how did the agency form? As you say, you were looking for control. So how did you get started and how did you drum up the first work? Yeah, so I've, I've been reflecting on this before this call, actually. Now I think back, I was so reluctant to start a company. I really didn't want to do it. And that's because I had, after coming out of the TV world, I bought a franchise and that was my first experience in business. And that was like a local directory type franchise. I bought it in very naive, I'd never been in business before, didn't know how to sell, didn't know about anything really. And just found that to be such a tough process and such a stressful 18 months of my life that I literally did not want to start another business. But I think like a lot of creative people who end up starting agency born out of the fact that. I had a skill, but I had a talent mm -hmm. and, a, and a passion and I was keen to explore that talent and passion and I wanted to, to do it more and more. And so I was making films for friends to start out with. It was in the days where if you post anything to Facebook on a personal profile, the reach was just incredible. And so it didn't take long before I was making films for very small businesses 
that would be seen by friends and friends of friends. And it just started very organically like, like that, really. And then probably a year into that process, 18 months into that process, I kind of came. I feel like I've healed enough from my first business experience to start moving in that direction again. And certain elements of that were really attractive to me and have remained so through the process. I suppose what I'm referring to is the process of building a business, the creativity of kind of building this business entity is something I've always really loved. And, and I found myself moving in that direction. It's an interest, isn't it? A lot of us come to these things through the craft and develop a love of the business side. I think that's certainly the case for me, which is good because it turns out that I ended up not very good at the craft and then as things developed later on. So it was quite lucky that I had the business side for me. But you, it sounds like you've kept a, a love of both parts. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, I can relate to what you just said like heavily. I think my experience of the craft of making films yeah. was that I loved and have always loved certain elements of it, but I didn't find that I was very well suited to all of it. And so when I set out and it was just me taking on one project at a time and executing all of that project myself, I would find myself very frustrated being sat in front of a computer for long hours editing projects. And I found that I wasn't necessarily that well suited to going into that minute detail that you need to really progress and, and kind of master that skill set. Yeah. It used to frustrate me. And, and to be honest, I would find that it didn't take very long for me to love the kind of business aspect of it all. I found that just more compelling somehow. And any time yeah. that I spent working on projects felt like it was a distraction to strategizing, or coming up with marketing ideas, or that was the stuff that I just, it just fueled me. And so it wasn't very long before I had to accept that if I'm going to go down this route, I'm probably going to have to grow a team because there's just too many elements of this that I'm just not very good at. And so it was probably born out of growing the agency was probably initially at least born out of my own inadequacies, to be honest. And yeah. that's really interesting you say that, that you felt like almost the, the craft of it was getting in the way of the business side, whereas so many of the founders I talk to retreat back into the craft constantly. And we have to encourage them to, you might want to look after the business as well. We know like doing the thing is fun. How about some sales or have a bit of marketing? So that was interesting that that side took over you. So, how, so in the nine years of the business, how did it change? What did it look like? You started taking people on to fill, as you put it, your inadequacies. Yeah. So it started out obviously as just myself and was gradual growth really over that period of time, which brought us to a point of being still a small agency, six people. But for me, the experience was that I was no longer really focused on projects. We had a team that would go out and deliver the projects, which was, which was a great feeling because it meant I could pick and choose where I wanted to get involved. Like it, I think any creative agency, there's the bread and butter work and this work that really fuels you. And I think being able yeah. to choose the ones that you really dive into is a nice luxury to, to have. So it was just a pro, the experience was growing a small team of six people. And I think we were really, I don't know if we were blessed, fortunate to find good people or if I was successful in fostering a, a really nice culture, which meant those people were people that I could really rely on. Yeah, it was a, it was a small business that we grew that I Builds a really healthy small business. So as it changed and you had to do less of the bread and butter stuff, where by the end, what was your day like? Had you removed yourself completely from the day to day or I guess six people is hard. That's still that side you needed a lot, aren't you? Yeah. So in terms of like project side, it was very much kind of oversight. So I would chip in and I would provide advice and kind of an outside perspective. My sort of natural tendency to want to work on the business 
and think about those things meant that I had more of a marketing perspective on the work that we were doing. Whereas our team, I felt we always could be blinded to those elements because their passion was creating incredible creative content. And I think they're slightly different things. So I would provide that insight and kind of hold us to a true north of, is this going to be valuable for the client? Which I think worked really well. And I was still very much involved and I was the key person in terms of sales and marketing. So I did have a few attempts at bringing somebody else in and building the team around that, but I felt that it didn't quite click at the time had some mentors and coaches who had advised me. I don't know whether the advice was right or wrong, but as the business owner, nobody will ever sell it better than I will. And so I'd, I'd kept control of that task. And that's at the point where I sold was how the business was operating. Really. I was doing kind of all of the oversight, all of the strategizing. I was doing the sales and marketing and then the project delivery was being handled by the team. It sounds like you got to a point that a lot of people would be quite envious of. I speak to a lot of people who that's certainly the aim of what they're trying to do to get to exactly that bump, but have yet to get there. Yet view that kind of then led into a decision to sell at some point. So it obviously isn't the panacea that maybe some people see. What was the mindset shift around that? So my decision to sell, I think was a culmination of a few years of it being in the back of my mind. I think I'd felt a stirring in my spirit is the only way I can describe it. A kind of an underlying thought and desire to move on to a new challenge, which I think is quite natural after nine years of attacking one kind of project. The truth is I hadn't really let myself entertain that thought in a serious way, however, because I knew that there would be some pain involved in going through that process in one form or another, or that was certainly my, my belief. And so I kept pushing that to the back of my mind, thought, okay, let's carry on and carry on. I think it was, by well, the time I, I sold, we'd already been living in Central America mm-hmm. for a period of the 12 months previous. And that was a decision that was very much a family decision, what we felt was right for my wife, my son, for us as a family. Almost knowing of the fact that whilst we made it work, and I think we did some really great things to make that work. I don't think it was ever the ideal business to run from the other side of the world. I think there are many other business types, business uh, models that would be more suitable for that. And I knew that all along, I think. Nevertheless, that felt like an exciting challenge and one that we wanted to take on. So I think that was the backstory. I think the culmination of that was, I think, getting to a point, a realization through some kind of personal experiences couple of health scares, which kind of just focused my mind, which didn't come to anything, thankfully, but just put me in a headspace. It was, what do I want to be doing in five years, 10 years time? And and agency life is very demanding. I was probably somewhat burnt out and that was probably the source of any health scares, to be honest. I probably hadn't taken care of myself in, in the way that I should have. I'm 34 now. I'm not old, but I'm not young anymore. And I felt, I just had this acute sense of if I keep living in this way, in it's not going to be too many more years before people can start experiencing problems. And I think I need to be living right. And that, that wasn't, that was the seed of the thought. That wasn't like an immediate thought of, right, I'm going to sell my business. But it just put me in a headspace where was, I've had this thing in the back of my mind for some time now. Is it maybe the right time to move on? And also, truthfully, I think my level of passion just wasn't where it was like two or three years prior. I think the experience of moving overseas and just things going on in my life had, had acutely Shone a focus on the fact that actually I think a new challenge is what I need. And, and I think in any business, there are challenges. Uh, you have to be passionate, uh, particularly in an agency space, because there are so many people who are so passionate. And, and I just felt that, that is, 
if you can't compete in terms of your level of, pa- of passion, that will seep through everything that you do. And, and, and in a few years' time, that will have an impact. That was my overriding thought. And, and it's, it's a combination of all of those factors just put me in a place where it was like, okay, I think the time is now and let's be brave and let's take it on and let's do it. You came to that decision. It'd been bouncing around in your head for a while and you went, yeah, the time's now. How did you get from there to where you are now, the sale? Because, yeah. well, maybe tell us who you sold to first, because that, yeah. that isn't the way that most of these stories go. Yeah. So I was bought out of the company by a team, which, yeah, is interesting itself. It was an interesting journey. And I know we'll go into it. I think my starting point was I knew there were two options, really, if I was going to exit the business. One was sell to a bigger agency and the other was be bought out by a team that I, I hadn't been through that process before. I certainly wasn't experienced in buying or selling businesses, but those felt like the two logical things that could happen. I, at the time, there was a bigger agency who I know were sniffing around a little bit, should we say, yeah. but I knew with that, that I would have to stay on for probably a year, maybe two years. I know that's the way that those things work for my limited sort of understanding of them. And so it was from the outset, I just thought, I, want, I wonder if there's a possibility of the, of the team wanting to carry this on and actually me stepping out. And so I just, to be honest, it was, it was just a, a very tentative floating the idea, which I think could, I think when I've spoken to other people about it, I think you could get very concerned about what the outcome of that might be should the team not want to take yeah. on the business. Are you invested? Are you going to drive this forwards? What does this mean for our livelihoods? And there's certainly thoughts that entered my mind, but at one way or another, I came to the point where I thought I'm willing to take the risk. And so it started, that was the process. I floated it with the team It was quite honest about what my ambitions were for, for the future. And we started out having very tentative conversations about how that would look and what that would mean. And then progressed onto more serious ne- negotiation, I would say. So yeah, the whole process about three and a half month period. And, and that's how it started. So what, what was their initial reaction? What, was there any, could you see some faces who were clearly concerned of, oh no, the boss is effectively quitting, what happens next? Or, or oh. were they off, off straight off the bat excited by the prospect? I think there was mixed responses, yeah. So there were definitely one or two individuals who were excited and saw the potential and what they could mean for them. I'm sure there was some anxiety there as well. Yeah. There's certainly one team member, and he's like a very good friend of mine, his jaw literally hit the, <laughs> hit the deck and, yeah. and he didn't hide that very well. Not that he needed to, but, but yeah, there, there were certainly mixed responses and, and yeah, it was a decision that has impacted people's lives. And I don't think you can take that lightly, both positively and negatively. I felt for a few years, two or three years that I think the reason, a big part of the reason that I hadn't taken this kind of underlying thought seriously of actually, do you know what, maybe what's best for me and actually the life that I want to live is, is maybe another challenge. Partly, I think the team and, and you, you start growing, you can very easily start growing an agency or a business for one reason. And then you find yourself feeling somewhat responsible for people's lives and they're friends of yours in a small business and you care for these people. And that can feel like a weight, I think. And I, I think it was a weighing up of that. I probably didn't quite realize how much it was going to impact people and their experience of the process. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, as agency owners, as business owners, we have to pro- not prioritize, but we have to take seriously our own experience of life as well, I think. And, and if that's not 
where we want it to be. If we desire to live a certain, a different type of life, or we want to optimize our life in the best way possible, that you have to take that seriously. And, I, and I'm really proud of the fact that I did that. I think that. Yeah, I think this is a, a very common theme in the conversations I have. I think we all start businesses with certain outcomes in mind. You mentioned control over the way you want to lead, lead your life and people talk about work-life balance and working on more interesting work, doing more on what they love, all these different reasons. And then we end up building businesses that don't necessarily support any of those things that we thought we were going to get. Yeah. And, and it, it can sometimes almost feel like a bit of a trap. We've built this trap that we're then in and we're suddenly feeling responsibility for the whole team. And again, I think that's something that business leaders, particularly leaders of small companies, don't get enough credit for. There's a lot of talk online about bad bosses. They just want everyone in the office and have them work every hour for no money and all the rest of it. But the responsibility we take on and the amount we do try to look after our people, I think does get overlooked a lot. And it's definitely... It's one of the biggest stresses in agency owners. I, I talk to that feeling of responsibility for everyone in the company. And I guess when it comes to selling, that doesn't go away, does it? No, that, it doesn't go away. No, I think it's, it's really interesting that you say that, that was certainly my experience. I think my experience of the business was I was really grateful for certain aspects of it. And I think we had achieved the sort of the freedom that I desired when I set up the business. I think there were elements of that, but there were also elements that were, were a huge responsibility. No, it, it doesn't go away when, you know, when you want to sell the business, but yeah. I think you can't neglect your own needs and put other people first for too many years without it having serious, any serious impacts on your life. Yeah. And, and, I, and that could look different for people, for different people. Maybe that's relationship breakdown. Maybe that's health issues. Maybe that's just stress and your experience of life. I could see how it could impact all of those areas. I, I just think it's so important that we value ourselves as highly as we value others and, and put that on, a, on an equal balance. Because the truth is, as agency owners, nobody will ever have gone through as much stress as we will have. Nobody will have ever worked as hard as we have. Nobody will have sacrificed as much as we have. And yet we, I don't know, I want to be really careful here because I don't want to say I'm overlooking others. That's not it. But I think we overlook our own needs and it's yeah. not healthy. It's not, I don't it think. It comes to the point where you just have to rebalance it a bit. Doesn't it? And especially you've got a family and that's all part of it. That's certainly something that I came when I was trying to readdress that. I was thinking, this isn't just me. This is me and my family. And I think as soon as you look at it like that, it, it takes on a very different perspective, doesn't it? I suppose that responsibility probably made be played into the negotiations a bit. I'm just thinking when I did my deal, looking after the team was, you know, very high in my mind. I think much more than people realize that that becomes a factor. And I know that's something we spoke about before, but you in the tricky spot of the, the team also being the people who are buying it, so trying to look after everyone suddenly becomes um, a bit counterproductive. Oh yeah. Did it, do you think it, did it make some of the negotiations harder? Do you think? I think what made it hard was the closeness of our relationship and the fact that I think, you know, I did, I didn't realize how tough of a process it would be. It was actually quite a quick process it was about probably from having tentative conversations to selling was probably about three and a half months. So it happened pretty quickly, but it felt quite drawn out if I'm mm -hmm. honest. 
we were as a small team and a very close-knit team, it was tough. And there were difficult conversations in there. And there were realities around it as well. The nature of any negotiation is the, the guys who are buying the business need, um, can only go so far. And yeah. I mean, to be able to step away from the business, I could only go so far. And we all did our best to try and work our way through that process, but it was messy. And um, none of us had been through that process before. And we were, and we were trying to make it work. Um, yeah. Obviously, I want them to, to go on and succeed um, at higher levels than I was ever able to. I want the company to continue and go from strength to strength. And I believe that we reached a deal that will allow them to do that. So, yeah, so I think we got there in the end. But like yeah. many of these things, you post on social media and, and people think, wow, that's, that's maybe, I don't know if for certain agency owners that would be envious. I'm not sure. But, but the process is often quite different and, and was certainly fairly taxing. I'd like to think you also post your announcement about selling from a beach somewhere in El Salvador just to really make people think that, uh, yeah, just to really drive it in. Uh, yeah, probably should that looking back. So in, in terms of the deal itself, I never ask people to go into numbers. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really benefit anyone. But in terms of the kind of the, the, the structure, can you give us a kind of a taste of how the, the deal works? Because I think, I've said it before, there's sometimes this expectation that you get thrown a duffel bag full of, use 50s and you know you walk off at that moment and then the structure doesn't tend to work that way so can you give us a, a flavor of what it looked like yeah so the sort of i suppose the basic version of it is there was cash that came up front at the point of handover and then some cash that comes over a period of time afterwards it's not it's not a kind of a kind of almost like a two-year or three-year buyout so it's not a, a kind of a deal that locks me in for a long amount of time or is yeah. based on well, it's equally, I think that's more common where you have uh, a deal that is, I would say, life-changing money. By what I mean, I, I sell and I never have to work again. Quite happy to discuss the fact that this isn't quite that for me. And I think that's okay. I, don't, I think a lot of people don't realize that actually it's possible to sell a business if it's not tens of millions that are coming your way. What it is, is a really great opportunity and launch pad to go and kick on to the next opportunity and some real breathing space to be able to do that. And, and I think that's maybe why it's slightly different in terms of how it's structured than the kind of the average deal where yeah. maybe it takes place over a, a kind of longer time horizon. And for me, well, average is um, a, a tricky phrase because one of the things I've been trying to do through this series is paint a more realistic picture of, of what sales and acquisitions look like because we mostly learn about them through press releases, which have a tenuous relationship to reality at times uh, anyway, but also it tends to be the bigger deals. And I think a lot of not small deals, but not mega money deals happen. Um, and they just tend to fly under people's radar. And one of the nice pieces of feedback I've had about some of the past episodes is how it's helped some agency owners understand that actually they do have other options and they don't have to be a three million pound agency in order to sell. There are options around that. And I know at least one agency owner who's seeing things quite differently as a result of some of the past conversations about the smaller day. I, I was told that unless you're turning over five million pound in revenue plus, then don't even think about selling your agency. That was the advice that I received from an agency coach that I had at the time. And so that was my belief. I didn't really entertain the thoughts. I didn't think it was possible. The reason that they gave that advice, I think it's, I think it's 
I think in some sense it's logical is that if you don't have that level of revenue and hopefully the necessary levels of profit that come with that, then by the time you've paid lawyers and you and all the sort of associated costs, you're not really going to be left enough from, to make it worthwhile for you. My experience was, I chose to ignore that advice, first of all. Good. And then I, my experience was that even though it wasn't millions of pounds, it was a meaningful sum to me, which made it possible. We were able to do things in a way which kind of allowed us to protect kind of the, the value in the deal. And that involved a little bit of creativity and meant that we had to come together and work together and be, and, and a trust at the center of the deal. But we managed yeah. to achieve that. And I think, I think if anything, anybody I speak to now, or the thing that I would want people to take away is that you have options. And I think, you know, it's just about being intentional and being brave enough to step forward and say, this is what I want out of life. And this is therefore a risk that I'm willing to take. And I think you can unlock an incredible lifestyle and incredible experience when you go, when you, when you're willing to do that. So you don't have to have a multi-million pound agency. We had a really healthy, small business, small agency that afforded us a great lifestyle through the years that we've lived it, had some you know, incredible experiences and, and managed to sell it in the end. So it's not maybe the typical story. Maybe it doesn't, you know, I don't know if you can replicate that through every agency, but it's certainly possible. And I think hopefully people can see themselves in that story and, and make I think, themselves. I think it's a really important point. It certainly is possible. And maybe some of the advice going around, I've heard the same thing. I've heard the same thing before. And some of the advice going around about how you are supposed to build an agency and what it's meant to look like to sell an agency. Um, some of that's been my motivation to record in this podcast because it didn't line up with the stories I was hearing from other people who'd been through the process. So, and that's exactly why I want to give people like you on to share it, to um, shine a bit of light into some of those dark corners for, for the people who are still fighting the good fight and wondering what the options are going forward. So were there any points in, in the negotiation that you know, were, were sticky ones with, with that deal? Were there kind of things you particularly wanted out of it that maybe were more difficult to square with the team who was staying on? I don't know. I don't know how valuable my answer is really. It's just about, on my side, I know there's a level that I need to be able to walk away and feel like I've taken the right decision. Yeah. Financially, I'm in a good position and can use that sort of as a springboard to move on to the next thing. And, and, and the tension there is that they're trying to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And as much as, and as much as both sides want the other to, to be well and to do well in the future, you, you have to, for the deal to play, take place, it has to make sense on both sides. So I think the tension is that, and it's just trying to find a point in the middle that kind of feels like it works. And inevitably there are some points in the road where there's sacrifice on, on one side and, or, or, or on either side, and they are quite difficult to work their way through. It's as simple as that, I think. Yep. Simple when you reflect on it, complicated in the moment. And that's why buying and selling businesses is a tough space to be in. And after the fact, I've spoken with people who do this day in, day out, and they inform me that generally it's always the case. It's never a straightforward process. And I think that helps to rationalize kind of the process and what we've been through. It's tough. It's tough to reach that kind of general consensus. And if you reach a deal, I think that's a real 
moment to celebrate because that means that you've reached something that's acceptable on both sides. And it's nice to see that sort of hard journey pay off. So where it was a slightly different type of sale, going out a, a buyout from the team, did, was there still involved, heavy involvement of the lawyers and the accountants and all the due diligence? Or do you feel some, were you able to shortcut any of that because the buyers presumably knew an awful lot more about the business than most buyers would? Yeah, I, th- I think I don't think it was necessarily that they knew so much more, or certainly not. That wasn't my conscious thoughts, at least. I think it was just a deliberate, like a, a deliberate or a a realistic awareness of the fact that at the level of deal we were doing, we we couldn't sacrifice. We had to maintain the value in the deal, and so we were always going to have to work based upon trust. Yeah, we were very open about that and talked about it together and what our solutions might be. And the kind of the decision was that we didn't want two sets of lawyers on either side racking up bills, having this back and forth conversation. And so instead of that, we decided to jointly appoint legal representation to guide us through the process. Now, I'm not saying that was perfect. It's not, it wasn't ideal, I don't think. And I'm sure that on both sides, that involves taking a level of risk. That that wouldn't be the case if you had that that sound legal representation, yeah. representation on either side. It was simply the way that we felt that we had to go about it in order to maintain the value in the deals. I think that worked. I think we were able to find our way through the process. We were able to come up with our heads of terms and our final contracts, which we all felt comfortable with and happy with. And yeah, that that's how we attacked it. That's really cool. I haven't. As an aside, I haven't heard of anyone doing it that way before. And I think it is a great approach, but I can imagine the poor lawyer was uh, struggling about how do I walk this line? How do I keep the client happy when the client is on both sides of this deal? Yeah, do you know, I think it actually helped us. I think at certain moments, it gave us a common enemy that that brought (laughs) us together. (laughs) My next interview podcast is actually with a lawyer who specializes in acquisitions. I'm going to definitely... References conversation in that one. You could enjoy that. Uh, uh, brilliant. So when, when did the deal go through? When did this all happen? Remind me. Yeah, so at the time recording today was around six, seven weeks ago. So it's not a huge amount of time. Yeah, very recent. Very recent indeed. So deal went through. First, first duffel bag full of cash gets thrown you away. How did you celebrate? What, what, what was the first thing you did? Just... How did I celebrate? I took some time off. That was, I was really craving that time off. I think having been through running the business over the summer months and also going through the negotiation process was taxing, was hard. And by the end of that, on both sides, I think we were just ready for it to just get a deal and let's all move on positively to the next thing. And so it was just a case of, look, I just need some time off. And so that was really nice. I have an 18 months old son. So it didn't really mean that I, it doesn't mean that I went and relaxed. It's we're even, not relaxing. Yeah, it didn't really transpire like that. I think I did have in my head that that was going to be the case uh, quite naively, but it didn't work out that way. But we did certainly have some nice days out as a family. But yeah, just took some time off, just let that kind of relief that the, the sale process had taken place to go through and just enjoyed our time, really. Six or seven weeks, that's still really, that's still really fresh. I think six or seven weeks after... I suppose different uh, for me I, because I had an earn-out period and I was in the business. But certainly six, seven weeks after my exit, I was in probably 
quite an odd space being lost and what comes next and probably a lot of doubting have I done the right thing not done the right thing how are you feeling about it all right now there's no part of me that thankfully I'm not questioning the decision at all I, I think it was a hundred percent the right thing for me and I'm and I'm really proud of myself for prioritizing my health and that's both mental health and physical health and being brave enough to take the just take that step so I feel really liberated by that. And it's something that I once thought wasn't really possible was to sell a small agency. And now I know it is possible. And I think there's something really cool in that when you go through that process. Again, kind of liberation is the word that springs to mind. I really enjoyed that kind of initial batch of, hey, I've got nothing to do today and I'm just going to chill out and enjoy that. And, and I can't remember the last time I had that, to be honest. Yeah. I think a lot of agency owners can relate to the fact that go on holiday, but it's still in the back of your mind. Or well, there's still that project that needs to get completed. The laptop oh, on the side of the sunbed, isn't it? So there's that. And then I think, how, how else am I feeling now? After around sort of two or three weeks of just having a lack of structure and just having that time off, I felt myself naturally starting to think about, oh, okay, what, come, what comes next? Yeah. And thinking about ideas. And I dove into those and started to explore and I found that both to be extremely exciting and also a little bit scary and yeah. it's, it's both of those things. So I'm having those moments where I wake up in the night and I think, gosh, this feels quite, quite a lot to start from scratch because it's my whole life. It's not just the business, it's the context of still got a young son and we've moved to the other side of the world as well. And at the same time, experiencing a level of productivity that I think you only ever experience when you start a new project and you have to go out and make something happen. It's almost a blessing, I think, in terms of the deal size that we had is that I'm financially in a good position to move on to the next thing, but I do have to move on to the next thing. Yeah. Not, and I don't want to be in a position where the money is running out and I've got a couple of months left. I don't want to be in that position. I want to be really proactive and I want to, my intention is to replace the income that I had from the agency and have some money left from the deal to be able to invest that and move on to the next thing and to really kick on financially so that we can put ourselves in a really great position. I think we've got the opportunity to do that. And I think I've made a great start in that direction. I don't just want to burn through the cash is basically yeah. what I'm saying, which could happen if I had another couple of months before I start yeah, working. Not working gets expensive, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. So that's where I'm at. It's all, it's, it's both scary, exciting, liberating, and I feel extremely, I look back and I feel very proud. Like now I'm talking about it and yeah. not to stroke my own ego or anything like that. But I think it takes a lot to be in the agency space for a lot of years. And I went through the ups and downs of that and I stood my ground and I really went through it. And I feel like it was the right time to move on. And I'm happy with that. Perfect. So are you starting to get a sense of what that next challenge is going to be now? Yes. So my first step is to step into the coaching, the realms of coaching which I've already started and already started with the first kind of few clients, which is a really great experience. That is, my intention is to take on a few different projects. I've always enjoyed bouncing around and doing a few different things. So I've got clarity around the fact that I'm doing coaching video companies to help them to overcome some of the challenges that I have learned in recent weeks is not only myself that went through those challenges. It is a tough business to run and, and some of the guys out there are, are really going through that. On top of that, my approach has been to define a set of criteria that I'd like for my next, for my next kind of business that I take on. I don't think agencies are the easiest businesses 
to scale. If your heart is in making films, as an example, then it can be really rewarding and a really great business. But I think you have to structure things right to, to preserve your experience of, of running an agency. I've got that right at some points and got that wrong at others. And so I'm excited about being able to define the criteria, not having my starting point as having a skill that I can monetize, but just going out and solving problems. And so right now I'm testing maybe five or six, six different avenues that I could go down. Some days that can feel overwhelming and you can feel quite lost with it. Other days that can feel so exciting and no concrete answers as yet. Got some ideas which are developing, but at the moment I'm starting wide. And then once I strike on some things that I think might hit, then, then I'm going to go narrow. It's an amazing luxury to be able to do that, isn't it? I think that's something that I've really enjoyed. Just going, do you know what? I'm going to try a few things. I'm going to find the things I enjoy. And then I'm going to figure out if I can make money out of them. And I'm not in a massive hurry. And I certainly, I had a very expensive first three months of being exited where, and then at the end of that, I went, okay, my next idea has to be cheaper because mine were software based and I was just throwing a lot of money at developers. And I thought I've either got to learn to develop again, which I think I'm too old for now. I can't go to the end again or, or I'll come up with something else. And by the time I'd come up with something else, I found out that I was doing the mentoring side just because I'd fallen into it. And then luckily really loved it. But it's great, isn't it? It's, it's great to be able to try a few things and take your time and, and get it right without the pressure of shit, mortgage, shit, salaries, shit. Yeah, no, it is. And my experience has been that actually there were certain things I thought, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this thing. And I've almost told myself, but it makes sense. It's the low hanging fruit. Let's explore it anyway. And I've been really surprised by actually, once you start to feel that you, you know, you start to feel some traction from an audience around an idea that you weren't sure if you wanted to pursue and then actually start doing the thing, coaching being the example for me. You should be really surprised about what you actually enjoy. And coaching was that for me. I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. Yeah. And I dipped my toe in the water very tentatively and very quickly started to feel like, oh, okay, I, this is grabbing me. I can feel something here. And then you let that develop. So that's been really interesting. I think just not closing myself up to options too soon and just having, I've adopted an ethos of just testing and iterating and floating things out there and just seeing what sticks, both in terms of, like you mentioned, Matt, like what do I enjoy, but also what can I monetize? Yeah. And there's, it's a balance of those two things. And so allowing yourself to go far enough down the road without wasting a load of time, a load of money to see, do I enjoy it? Is this going to be profitable? And do I want to take this any further? And that's kind of the journey that, that I've been on. Again, I can't say that I've not experienced any thoughts of financial pressure, because I think the structure of my deal is quite different to yours and, and many other agency owners. I think that is borne out of the fact that I, not that I can't afford to relax and probably take my time a bit more, yeah. but maybe something in my nature is really wanting to crack on. And also the fact that I don't want to get to, I've always put a deadline, which is too soon for myself, <laughs> because I don't want to get where I'm actually, I do actually need to kind of generate some income. So yes. that from kind of spurred me on and up. And, and I have, I think I've felt enough pressure to really drive me forwards, but I've also felt relaxed. I don't know. It's a very strange time. I'll make sure that we will have a link in the show notes to your LinkedIn and to your website for anyone out there who's running a video agency, looking for specific help in those areas. Looking at time, we're probably getting to wrap up point, particularly as we had a few bumps on the way in. I like to ask two questions at the end. So the first is looking back. If you had a time machine and you could go back and talk to yourself 10 years ago or any point during that journey, what do you think 
you would have done differently in the old business? I think there were periods of time, quite long periods of time, where even though I'd started out growing a team because I felt like there were gaps that I needed to fill for me to enjoy the process, I think it's, it, the case was for me, and I think it's very easy to do, is, is for then for it to become about ego and status and how people see you in the world. And I think that can creep in very subtly and can, I think you referenced it earlier, can really transform your experience of the business and mean that it becomes this entity that you were never intending for it to be. I think it's very difficult to go back and say, I would have changed that because I started the business in my mid-20s. And I think it's not uncommon for young men in their 20s to be driven by ego. There were probably reasons behind that from an evolutionary standpoint why that is the case. And I think I was no, no different, really. I found it really difficult to detach myself or to make it about something more meaningful. Mm-hmm. But there were periods of time, for a long period of time, but I was being driven by that. I think with now a bit more maturity and maybe the birth of my son and just having been through the, the process recently, I, I have a, a very different perspective. And I think we should be structuring agencies, businesses to facilitate the life that we want and really asking ourselves the question very consciously of what is actually going to make me happy and how am I going to feel fulfilled on a day-to-day basis and what is meaningful to me. And it can feel so difficult to, I think, detach yourself from this kind of external validation, which can feel quite nice in the moment. Yeah. But long-term or even in the medium term, is can be quite a destructive force, I think, and can lead you to a place that you never really intended to go to. So I think that was just my trying to be really honest about it was my big handicap for a long period of time. I wish it wasn't the case. Yeah. I see some agency owners and I speak to some people, I think, oh, that was me five or six years ago. And, and I wouldn't wish that on somebody because it's not a very nice experience. But I think with maturity, that's the only thing that can take you through it. And so I, I couldn't change it, but I think I'm certainly glad that I've come to a point where I, you know, my only thought now is I, I genuinely don't care what people think about the decisions I make. These <laughs> And I'm so relieved to be able to say that because it's a huge burden to carry to believe that it matters. Yeah. What a great place to be. My my final question of the day there, you talked about looking for new challenges. Would you ever consider starting a new agency? Do you know what? I thought about it already. (laughs) I never thought I'd say that. I thought firmly I would go into e-commerce or something and uh, we're going to see where that lands. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm open to it. I think it's surprising what a, a break can do for you and headspace and just taking care of yourself for a while. I don't think agencies, I don't think it's a, a flawed business in any sense. I think it's just about getting the foundations right. And I think about maybe it's the starting point. I'm at a place in my life where I really know what it is I value. And that's about my family and my faith and my own well-being and my experience of life. And I think it's entirely possible to structure things in a way I believe now that can facilitate those things. And I didn't think that previously prior to selling. So yes, I would. Would I start another video agency? Probably not. Probably because I just would like a, a new challenge. Yep. But would I start another agency? Yes, I think I've got a lot of experience in that area and it, and it might be a shame to waste that. So we'll see what the future holds. You're sounding tempted. Watch this space. Wonderful. Andrew, you've been fantastic. I really appreciate your time. I know people are going to get a lot from this. Thank you on else's behalf. And details of how to get hold of Andrew, as I say, they're in the show notes and at howtosellanagency.com. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Matt. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. 
What a great guest. Thanks for that, Andrew. I hope everyone enjoyed that, and I hope the obvious jealousy of Andrew being out in El Salvador while on a record from a rainy office in Hampshire didn't spoil it too much. If you'd like to get a hold of Andrew or myself, you can contact us through website at howtosellanagency.com. Of course, find us both on LinkedIn. There's links there in the show notes. And yeah, great. If you're running a video production agency and you're looking for coaching or you're looking for coaching and video production, Andrew's clearly the guy to have a chat with there. I'll be back soon with another episode. I hope you enjoyed this. Speak to you again soon on another episode of How to Sell an Agency. Oh,